Hey, how you doing, Ignite City Church? Hey, I wanted to take you through a little bit of something that stood out to me um, from Matthew chapter 4 from a couple days ago. Um, this is when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I think it's important to look at verse 1, especially. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, what is it that just happened before that? Because as that, it says, then Jesus was led up. Well, remember, he was baptized right before this. And so he goes through being baptized. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was not, uh, well, Jesus was going there anyway, and he found himself there by himself. No, this was the Spirit led him into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. Friends, I wrote in my Bible next to this, the Holy, Spirit's lead, the Holy Spirit leads us into the wilderness. And, you, and some may say, oh, I don't know that I agree with that. But think of how often you see great things or great changes in people when they go through the desert. I always think of Moses and how he spent uh, 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert, before going back um, to, to, free, to be used by God to free God's people. And then Moses and the whole people, the whole, the whole Israelite people were taken back into the wilderness. And it was out of, because of their rebellion against him, but he took them. Um, they weren't, they didn't believe what it is that God is going to do in bringing them into the promised land because they, they saw the, the quote unquote, the enemy and thought the enemy was greater. And so God made them wander in the wilderness, but there's always something that God teaches in the wilderness. And so you could look at Moses going through the time of the wilderness, um, whether the part where he's by himself or with the people of Israel, you'll see David times of the wilderness where he's running for his life. You see Jesus being taken into the wilderness and great things are taught in those moments. And so if, if you're experiencing a season where it feels like you're in, quote unquote, the wilderness, I want to encourage you that great things come out of the wilderness. Now, yes, there may be temptations and that that's where you fight against temptations. But there's not any point where God is against you in that moment. Now, there may be rebellion in your life and you're experiencing something in your life that you're not supposed to simply because you've wandered or rebelled against God. But it's not always like it's not like Jesus rebelled from rebelled against the father and therefore the spirit had to do some spiritual discipline on the son of God. That wasn't it at all. But there are times we as humans, we, we, we go the wrong way, we rebel against God and we experience or we reap what it is that we sow, we reap the works. So if we do something, we'll reap what comes from it. And it could be negative things. But there's also times where you could be walking right where Jesus wants you to walk and his spirit will lead you into the wilderness. Verse two, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which shows Jesus's humanity. And then notice when Jesus is hungry, when he's weakest, verse three comes, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, it is written. And then he says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In verse 3, when he says, if you are the son of God, guys, don't you feel like that's just a really pathetic attempt at trying to tempt the son of God? Where he's actually trying to get Jesus to question his character or to question his person, like who he really is, to get the son of God to question his own identity. He does it again down in verse five or verse six. Uh, so if we continue verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. So you see it repeated a second time. If you really are the son of God. And friends, I need, I think we need to be reminded that the enemy's tactics are no different with us. 
that he will find us at our weakest. And then one of the first things he'll do is to get us to question our identity. And so it's like, if you really are a Christian, and then, and then at times it's weird, we'll be tempted and say we fall into temptation and we sin against God. Isn't it amazing that the enemy can tempt us? Our flesh desires it. So we fall into temptation. We fall into sin. We make the decision to rebel against God. And then when we do, it's like, here's the enemy going, this is what you should have. Then when we do it, he turns around and says, you call yourself a Christian. If you really are a Christian, then why this? If you're, are you sure that you're saved? Are you sure that you're right with God? Are you sure that you're a child of God? Are you sure that you're forgiven? Are you sure that you're in right standing before God because of Jesus? Are you sure that there's not more that you have to do in order to be saved? All these start, all these questions start to come, but notice they're all connected to our identity in Jesus. And so friends, we need to make sure first and foremost, we know who we are in Jesus because of who he is and what he's done to know that I am no longer seen by the Father as sinner, and yet I still struggle and fight against sin, but I'm not seen as sinner, but as saint, as one reconciled to God because of Jesus, that I'm seen as a child of God, that I'm one of his sons, and ladies, you're one of his daughters. And so when we sit there go, okay, so this is who I am, I'm, I'm forgiven completely. It's not like I'm forgiven moment by moment. I'm completely forgiven. I'm in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, when the Father looks upon me, he sees me as if he's looking at Jesus. Not that I am Jesus at all, but I'm in Jesus. I'm in Christ. And so are you. And so when you, and then when you hear how well the Father feels about the Son, when you see him speak at Jesus' baptism, when you see him speak in Matthew chapter 17 um, at the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus reveals his glory to three of his disciples. The father speaks and he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then therefore, yes, I know that God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. I believe that. But then to be in Christ means that the same way that the father loves the son is the same way that he loves us. And so he can look and say, just like the father said about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He could then look at, we could then apply it to us, not because we're equal to Jesus, but again, because we're in Christ and to know that the father sees us as his beloved and he is well pleased with us. Friends, when we start remembering and holding on to our identity because of Jesus, we can actually stand, stand against the temptations of the enemy. So know that he's going to attack your identity in Jesus. And our response should always be, it's written. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus, who wrote it, actually quotes the Bible. Instead of saying, it's not true, or I am the Son of God, and leaving it at that, and then just walking around, he actually quotes Scripture back out loud. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he's like, I'm not going to take this rock and make it into bread. Even though Jesus had the ability to do so, he still didn't do it. And I think it's so important for us to remember that. That, friends, I may have this want, or I might, I might have this desire but I always have to go back to what does God say about it? I might have a feeling and I say, well, I'm, I'm justified in this, but I need to always go back and say, but what does the Bible say? So Jesus, I don't know that there's anything, say that the enemy didn't give him that idea, but Jesus wanted to make bread out of a rock at some point. Would that actually be sin? But here the enemy is trying to get him to actually, you know, it's like instead of, instead of trusting on God and his provision, instead of trusting on the father and his provisions, what if you just do it yourself? Like, do the quick way out. Just, why don't you do this? But because the enemy said, this is what you should do. He's like, I'm not going to do this because the word says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil then again attempts him, like we said in verse five, 
and verse six and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And then the devil quotes the scriptures. It says, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And in my Bible, I wrote this statement. Out of context is Satan's tactic. Friends, he, he the, the, the devil knows, Satan knows the Bible. He doesn't worship the God of the Bible, but he knows the words that are in the Bible. And he knows how to take passages and twist them out of context so that people think that they're actually following and obeying God and not. That we can justify our sin. I could find a verse and justify quote-unquote sin, but I need to go back. Okay, so yeah, the enemy knows the Bible, and the enemy knows the Bible more than we do, but praise the Lord that we have the Holy Spirit in us to reveal truth as we spend time with him in it. And so we always go back to what is written, because again, Jesus does it in verse 7. Jesus said to him, again, it's written. And it's almost like, can you imagine Jesus being a little bit frustrated? A little bit frustrated. It's like, how dare you quote my word to me, thinking that by you quoting verses, it's going to make me sin. He says, again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to, them, and he, and he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. In other words, you don't have to worry about the cross. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about pain. I'll give you all of them back. I'll just give you the whole world. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. And then he connects it. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Each time Jesus was tempted. And I, I swear, I don't think that Jesus was only tempted three times. It's 40 days worth. I think maybe he's tempted more than we think throughout those days, but at least three of them are recorded. That's just a personal thing. I mean, if he wasn't and these were the only three, then my goodness, he nailed every one of them. But each time he was tempted, he always went back to what does the Bible say? Friends, I don't think that there's a way for us to battle temptation if we don't know what the Bible says. I've said this often. I'll continue to say it, that it's impossible to know the will of God if we're not in the word of God. Friends, how do I know? How do I stand against the temptation that comes? Even if I can justify it by maybe a verse here and there that justifies complacency or comfort or what it is that I actually want, if I don't know what it is that God says, I just started reading a book called Prevailing Prayer. It's an old book by D, uh, Dwight L. Moody, and it's in the in the in the prefatory notes, the very beginning of the preface, where he actually says this. He says, "If we read the Word and do not pray, we may become puffed up with knowledge without the love that buildeth up." If we pray without reading the word, we shall be ignorant of the mind and will of God and become mystical and fanatical and liable to be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Guys, that is, that's a powerful statement. He's pretty much just saying, guys, to read the word without being in prayer, where God is going to change you um, and make you more gracious and make you more loving and forgiving. By in prayer, we keep asking and being in communication with God and speaking to him. But to, to pray without spending time in the word is, is just as detrimental. Because all of a sudden I can keep praying and maybe I have some experience that I have when I'm praying. But if it's not grounded on the truth of what's found in the scriptures, then I can become fanatical. And all of a sudden the experience becomes something that I actually worship more than the God of the Bible. I could actually move forward thinking that I'm being obedient because I have some kind of experience or some kind of feeling or thought during a time of prayer, 
But if I don't go back and ask, but what does the Bible say? And be able to then say, but it's written. Like I have this thought, I have this emotion or this feeling, but it's written in the word. Like the scriptures say this. And when the scriptures contradict that thought or feeling or idea, then I go with what the scriptures say. I submit myself to what the Bible says and live in obedience to him. And then the final thing in this whole quote unquote altercation between Jesus and the devil, notice in verse 10, Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. I love that. And you notice when you get down to verse 11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus simply said, get out of here, get out of here. And the enemy had to obey. Friends, we're not that impressive where I can say we have, I have the authority in and of myself to tell the devil what to do, to tell evil what to do, to tell demons what to do. Nope, I don't have any authority to do that at all. But because I'm in Jesus, I have the authority because of Jesus. I have Jesus's authority. I have Jesus's authority to look at the devil, who I believe is a person. And when I say person, I'm not saying flesh and blood, but I'm saying it's, I don't think the devil is just this, the personification of the concept of evil. No, I think he's evil. If Jesus is speaking to the devil, then there's a person of the devil. And so, but he tells him, hey, be gone, get out of here. And because I'm in Jesus, I have Jesus's authority. We have Jesus's authority to stand against the enemy and to tell him to leave. And he has to obey, but it's because of Jesus. It blows my mind. The enemy of God is still is still 100% submissive to him. He has to obey God. God tells him to do something. He has to do it. If God allows him to do something on the planet, God is only allowing him to do it for a specific time and for a specific purpose that will ultimately bring about glory to God and bring about God's will. And I know that we don't understand. I don't understand how all that works. I don't understand the ways of God, but I don't think that I'm supposed to, because if I did, then God would do, God would be no more impressive than I am. And that is not a God that I actually want to give up my life for. And so friends, I prayed that my prayer for you and for me, that for us, that we would we would hold on to this passage when temptation comes. One, that we would know our identity in Jesus. Two, that we would use the scriptures when we stand against temptations that come our way and be obedient to what it is the Bible says, which means that we have to spend time in it. And I pray that you're in the Bible reading plan. And I know that this year's reading plan, it's, it's twice as many chapters. I get that. But I felt like it was time for us to be challenged instead of doing the exact same one where it doesn't really, and maybe, and maybe for some, it still does. It's still a challenge because you just haven't done it. And you're just starting out, but I feel like it's the next stretch and the next one. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it'll be less, but at, le at least for this year to go through the old and new Testament together, chronologically to move forward together in it. Friends, I think it was so important. We need to know the words so that we can know how to stand against temptation so that we can be obedient to what it is that God says that we're supposed to do. Friends, I hope this is helpful. Hope it's a challenge, encouragement to you. Love you guys more than you know, and we'll see you later.